0: Salam and welcome to another episode of Network Reorient in association with Reorient Journal and the Critical Muslim Studies Project. In this episode, we have Uzma Jamil in
1: conversation with Setrag Manoukian on his article, Ordinary Matters in Islamic Studies, Notes from the Field. Welcome to this Reorient uh, podcast. Uh, today we have with us uh, Professor Setrak Manoukian from uh, McGill University. He's an associate professor with a joint appointment in the Institute of Islamic Studies and is also chair of the anthropology department at McGill. Welcome, uh, Professor Manoukian.
0: Thank you. Thank you, Osma, for having me. And hello to all the listeners.
1: Um, so I want to begin with. Uh, sort of laying out why I think actually you would be a great person to have this discussion with. Um, Recently, in the last issue of Reorient, you published an article uh, titled Ordinary Matters in Islamic Studies, Notes from the Field. And so I think it actually lays out some really interesting um, themes and threads which intersect with the preoccupations of critical Muslim studies. I wanted to talk to you today about some of these threads and themes and what kind of conversation uh, sort of disciplinary interdisciplinary conversation can be had between Islamic studies and, and critical Muslim studies. So um, let's, I guess, let's begin with sort of what you talk about uh, in terms of post Orientalism as, as sort of a starting point for this conversation. Um, how do you think it informs Uh, Islamic studies right now and the kind of construction of knowledge and the work the students are being asked to do.
0: Um, Yeah, thank you. Um, I'll begin by saying maybe that uh, what I tried to do in the article published in Reorient that you mentioned was to to localize in some way the discussion of these important uh, matters into into a very... um, quotidian everyday setting which was uh, is the one of the units where i work where i teach and i work with my colleagues and i do my research and um, and try to elaborate uh, a set of um, ideas that were really coming out of uh, our academic practice of teaching and taking certain decisions um, in the university um, so I, I think uh, you know I don't I'm not I don't know to what extent these um, these ideas I have are, are, are can be generalized for other units or or or, or even more abstractly in terms of uh, Islamic studies but I do mm-hmm. think that uh, at the institute uh, one could say that one of the things that is uh, you know commonly shared and. Uh, by all profs and, and in some way by, by the community at large, uh, students um, and other people who participate in the events, is really this sense of uh, uh, a rooted sense of a critique of Orientalism. Um, uh, students read Orientalism uh, by Edward Seed in many classes. Uh, they read uh, the subsequent debates. They read current works that um, continue to develop that perspective. Um, for example, Why Halak, a new book. Um, and, uh, and uh, you know, the majority, or all, all, all of my colleagues, I can say in one way or another, grew up within that kind of uh, discussion. So, um, you know, on one hand, it's, it's, it's become a part of how... Um, how any any subject in Islamic studies is approached, and there are certain some continuing values about this kind of critical reflection on the way in which um, islam or the Muslim world broadly conceived uh, are uh, are conceptualized and represented in the west um, however, in some way um I think um, you know to use a term I didn't use in the article, but I think one could uh, Speculate about. Is th- there's there's almost been a move from um, from a critique of Orientalism as a as a minority uh, element as really a critical wedge inside the, some some form of dominant discourses to its own form of uh, domination. Uh, uh, the critique of Orientalism has itself become majoritarian. I'm not saying that it has lost its bite. Uh, but but it's been uh, it, it's it's very institutionalized. This is what we teach our students. Often classes begin with the reading a few excerpts from, from say, the Orientalism, and um, and so I think this calls uh, for reflection because in some way it it is this anti Orientalism um, that has become a, a sort of um, that has become the rule, the norm. And in some way that uh, that brings with it also because of, of the political or the let's say relational way that it carries also some moral uh, expectations. Uh, so there's mm-hmm. almost a moral ground uh, that that cause um, cause for a rejection of Orientalism and and, uh, and all all the different elements one would need to study because there is a variety of elements that are associated with it. Um, And I think in that sense, maybe, you know, this critique has uh, exhausted a little bit its capacity to energize, (laughs) to motivate uh, people, but also to push uh, to push knowledge uh, forward in some way to make us things, new things, new ideas. Um, so th- this was a bit the the context uh, from which i was writing it and, and this is the difficulty also right on one hand recognizing uh, the need to to continue this critique on the other to try to elaborate conceptual tools that kind of um you know uh, are not um, closing in um and um there is a way in which i think that it, it might be uh, i mean of course you know maybe some people have never stopped doing that it might be time to to go back and reread um, you know what we call orientalists uh, in a different way not so much to appreciate the you know in abstract the value of their philological contributions for example but to kind of read uh, read other um other trajectories, right? In the article, I I kind of put there this um, very vague and provocative idea of thinking about desire and what what is at stake if we if we, you know, if we try to imagine that knowledge is also driven by by some kind of desire that we don't control and not all these desires are um, morally sound or. Uh, <laughs> you know, or, or controllable, but, but they are part of, uh, they're part of, um, you know, uh, everyday life as much as sort of conceptual elaboration. So w- what would, what would be at stake to think, to think in those terms, the, some of the practices that we cherish are kind of guided by, by this desire. And even, uh, there I say, but, um, but certain element of exoticism that, for example, was was always present in uh, in Orientalism and and, and uh, you know was also one of the anchors of, say, critique the question of an eroticized either sexuality as, and, and so on and so forth. Uh, but but the idea that knowledge and desire have um, have um, have an exotic component, I think you know it might be a, it might be one way in which we're, we we could we could look at things differently. We could think differently about certain objects of our interest that, um, uh, you know, we cultivate. I'm, I'm thinking here, of course, of literature, but, um, but it, but it can be, it can be anything, uh, not to necessarily suppress this, um, this, this curiosity, um, for, for difference, uh, Right. Even if it's a curiosity for difference in the terms of exoticism, something appeals because it's it's different. It's odd. It's weird. uh, It's unusual. And, uh, uh, you know, again, not think of this as simply a guilty pleasure. Of course, of course, this doesn't mean that. one should produce racist uh, representations of right. of um, of this, uh, you know, think about exoticism. But 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 I think this is where this is where we have come quite a long way, and you know, I think um, the the normative has been established quite a long. To to be mindful, uh, so to be mindful me... of that. Please go ahead.
1: Right. Um... So I guess, okay, so what I'm hearing then actually is that what you're saying that the critique of Orientalism has become itself, uh, is is it both an object of desire or is it simply a way of achieving a certain kind of desire? So that's one question. My other question is actually something that I see students um, grappling with, which is that once we get beyond... You know, like critiquing the binaries between the Eurocentric and the whatever the Indigenous understanding is, let's say, for example, of a particular subject. Um, so beyond reversing the binary, um, beyond simply raising awareness about the gaps, you know, or, or the things that are left out from an Orientalist understanding, and, and saying that we will now address X because X was not sufficiently addressed at that time because of the categories and approaches that were in use. How do you create something or how do you produce work that is productive on its own terms and not on the terms of the conceptual terms of Orientalism? And how does that then relate to the argument that you're making about desire? Mm-hmm. Uh,
0: this, these are big questions. Uh, I'll, try, <laughs> I'll try to... To, to reflect on, on them briefly. But okay. so um, Orientalism itself is an object of desire. I don't know. But what I mean to say in, in answering your first question right. is that it, it seems to me that anti-Orientalism or as I call it, post-Orientalism um, has become a little bit of a, of a normative ground. So, um, you know, I'm not saying students are... Um, um, students are you know they, they get they get they get lower marks if they if they are not critical of orientalism but certainly the expectation is that everyone every good student let's say yes, should yes. know what the critique of orientalism is. right yes. and again i'm not diminishing the the importance of that uh, but i'm thinking about the effect that this has um, mm-hmm. on students first of all right yes. where they're receiving um, Uh, the critique as a as an obligation rather than um, an instance to think differently from the institution in which they're located that's what I meant by minoritarian right so um, what happens when 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 you know when you teach students uh, what they should do and what they should do is be critical of orientalism I I'm inclined to think students will will be curious about Orientalism precisely because it's something that that is um, you know maybe I, I'm exaggerating but it's something that you know they're 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 being told they they shouldn't do, mm-hmm. um, and, and 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 this is where a certain idea of liberating exoticism com, comes in, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, because it, what. You know, what is there, you know, does any desirable um, image or one that triggers curiosity, let's say, you know, sublimated desire in intellectual curiosity is the one that one has to perceive as, as with a guilty, with a guilty conscience, mm-hmm. uh, with this idea of, you know. Um, of being in- inappropriate or or being uh, or being wrong, mm-hmm. because because it is it is too attractive and therefore can hide uh, questions of uh, you know um, uh, power differential or um, uh, racism or so on and so forth. I'm, again, I'm not saying that we're, we're condoning these these questions or right. you know we we'll take them lightly. Uh, but but I'm what what is at stake in being attracted by certain images, even stereotyped images, right? They're, they're being produced by cultures all over the world, and that somehow, you know, are part of the way we are made into being subject of knowledge. I, I also think, and then maybe we we'll go to the second question to wrap it up, that, mm-hmm. you know, sometime uh, the, the idea of critique and, and this is again more uh, more um, sort of an after effect and not that when we think of the critique in the sense of I don't know uh, Frankfurt School or Adorno horkheimer's idea that this was there. but um, what you know what is at stake somehow is that you know there's there's an idea that um, of self-awareness. Uh, that one can be perfectly transparent to oneself in in one's writings and in one's uh, um, you know learning and so on and and i think this is a bit ambitious uh, as a concept of uh, of subject formation you know i think there's a, I mean, this is my personal understanding at least from my studies and my approach to my research but it it, it is a it is a bit of a presumption to 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 be perfectly aware of One's own, um, you know, um, positions okay, so and ideas know. and feelings and desires. Right? There is an element of unknown in ourselves and in others, which I think it's uh, it's productive. Um, I agree. So, um, second question. Second question on um, how do you produce? Then, um, yes. I mean, one. One element which I think I think might might uh, make us think, and, and and I think would be productive, especially in the contemporary world, is that is that there there has been a tendency to uh, to take to to take uh, let's say a distance from our objects of research and use them, um, uh, you know, use them as um, as a way to reconstruct, let's say, the history, the society, uh, the literature, the art, uh, the philosophy, of, of one country or an area, or you know the, the complexity of the Islamic tradition. But sometimes um, this leads uh, leads uh, our conversations to be to be you know one step removed from the value and interest that these kind of uh, contribution let's say to, to speak in, in terms that are probably too broad of uh, of uh, the different islamic traditions to uh, to concerns that other people who are not muslims can share mm-hmm. right so i'm thinking here um, maybe the 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 you know some examples uh, could be taken from let's say you know um uh, mysticism or philosophy or or even literature, right? We tend, in other words, what I'm saying to translate it in other terms. We tend to read really, to, we tend to always read uh, certain mystical arguments historically or certain philosophical arguments historically. But uh, without diminishing um, the value of historical approach, what would it take to think how these approaches could be helpful for us in thinking? about you know what is a human being in thinking about what is culture in thinking about what is knowledge uh in thinking about um you know the relationship between universal and particulars mm-hmm. if if we're talking about philosophy and so on and so forth in some way right we, we're used to thinking about these also as contributions to a self-contained tradition and i think there, there's a very important element in contextualizing reconstructing the history of these traditions those these approaches shouldn't shouldn't be put aside but but in some way p- part of uh, of the relevance of this transition is also uh, you know in thinking how do we how do we approach it as a as, a, as questions that are pertinent to the present, n- not questions about the present, mm-hmm. um, n- not questions that, you know, but questions that concern all of us mm-hmm. in, in, in different ways. And I think maybe, you know, this will sound too ambitious or pretentious, especially when articulated in this kind of vague, vague terms. But but I do think that there, there, there might be something there in terms of, uh, you know, uh, connecting differently through, you know, rather than going through the, as you're saying, sort of the deconstruction of, of, of binaries mm-hmm. and the kind of, right? Because the deconstruction of binaries is, is, is crucial, but sometimes it, it leads us uh, just to, you know, celebrate the specificity of something and its historical period, um, which is great, but then, uh, you know, I expect that maybe not all students are interested necessarily just in historical reconstruction. Right. Um, so, uh, you know, th- this is why I played. Um, admittedly, I played a little bit in the in the essay with this idea of asking. Well, you know, we do this all the time with our theoretical concepts. We use them. We deploy them here and there without thinking much about uh, their origin, their formation, and so on. Why? Why not do the same with concepts that don't belong to the European? Um, you know, uh, theoretical, right, you know, critical theory or social theory kind of uh, traditions that come from elsewhere. C- could we use those as analytical concepts right. for our for our thinking? Right. Um,
1: um, so I want to, which sort of leads us actually to the next thing I want to talk about: um, the contrast. So you talk about the the contrast or um, the 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 interaction between the Object of study and the approaches of study in, in, in terms of what Islamic studies, uh, sort of how to delineate Islamic studies as a disciplinary field. And you talk about the different kinds of frames of reference for understanding Islam. Um, could you maybe talk a little bit about those? And, and then I think one of them will connect more, uh, uh, more so with critical <laughs> Muslim studies and we can talk about that next.
0: Yes. Okay. Well, thank you. I mean, um, uh, you know, if if we want to, if we want to be a bit daring, um, uh, one could say that from uh, from the year roughly the year two thousand or two thousand and one up to today, two thousand and twenty. Um, in many ways, uh, Islam has uh, constituted uh, the global question.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, in these 20 years, in some way, there wasn't a question that pertained to uh, the global condition in general or very specific questions that um, hadn't, wasn't articulated somehow in relation to Islam. Um, take the question of religion, uh, take the question of migration, uh, take the question of a- any kind of question, including political questions, have been seen through uh, and debated through uh, the question of Islam. So uh, this means somehow that at least in these twenty years, in in theory, but also maybe in practice, um, you know, working in Islamic studies has meant to come to terms with uh, certain conceptual, practical, or political questions that that, that pertain. Uh, almost there there one say everybody um, uh, on the planet because they they were po- they were posed in relation to islam now with the situation we're living with the current virus uh, this might change uh, there might be other other kind of axes that come to define these broad discussions uh, but if we think right again i said um, uh, I can add uh, I, to what I was saying before I could you know there's politics religion there's law uh, there's migration all, all of the main uh, concerns of, of today are articulated about Islam so uh, this 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 puts Islamic studies in a in a, spe- in a specific space in a specific domain and and, and poses challenges Um and and uh, and kind of pushes to reconsider the, the very meaning of Islamic studies, right? Uh, we 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 range from from um, from scholars who see their work as very um, sort of um, uh, detailed analytical specific work on a historical period to people who are thinking more concretely about the, the the global condition. Um, the way I proposed it in the article is, is a kind of a schematic um, uh, kind of um, um, habitual way of, of presenting th- three ways in which Islam is dealt with in, in, um, in units such as ours on one so one approach is to think that Islam is a religion Um and, and, uh, and therefore, uh, thinking of Islam, uh, especially in terms of belief, and then therefore studying um, uh, the beliefs of Muslims mm-hmm. and, and also conceptualize um, uh, more, um, more broadly the idea of what Islam is in relation to this, this notion of religion. So the last past 20 years, also in religious studies, there's been a whole critique of the notion of religion, and we just maybe should mention Talal Asad's uh, influential essays on on the critique of the idea of religion.
1: It's right. basically
0: uh, coming out of a of a Christian or European slash Christian sense of what what the religion is itself secularized
1: yes. um,
0: in different ways, and that that being projected on different religions, one of which uh, is Islam. Mm-hmm.
1: Uh,
0: this was a, you know, at the institute because of also of the history. So um, William Cantwell Smith, the founder of the institute, was actually one of the earliest uh, critic of the notion <laughs> of religion as mm-hmm. as uh, as as a concept that in fact should could not be universalized uh, in a productive way. So I, I think the institute also comes out of that tradition. But 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 there, you know, there is a widespread um, understanding of that Islam is a religion and students often come to our classes thinking that, uh, right? And so that is in itself uh, an element, not to mention uh, this more interesting aspect, at least in my view of the open question of how one navigates the interface between uh, uh, practitioners and non-practitioners of Islam and, and, the, and the whole spectrum of the of the different practices that this entail and, and making sure people have have a voice and uh, and are not uh, this is also right because you're talking about approach are not stigmatized either way as being practitioners or, or not practitioners but where you know they they shouldn't feel they're an object of study in the classroom a second a, a second very widespread approach uh, in my unit but i think overall is this um Old old idea in some way, but constantly uh, renovated of of uh, Islam as a civilization, as a as a body of um, a complex body of uh, of elements that have constituted uh, a repository through the centuries of texts and practices uh, to which millions of people refer to. Um, this is a more comfortable space uh, that, that is occupied, uh, in, in, I think, at least at the Institute to think about Islam, uh, because you can immediately focus on the products of, of this civilization, be they, uh, mostly we're talking about texts, right? But one could mm-hmm. also yes. e- expand this to um, the history of art or music or or, uh, you know, more recently, other forms of cultural production or historical or intellectual production that then become objects of study. Um, Right. So, you know, that is a whole history. I think uh, Marshall Hodgson remains somehow the model of these kind of views, also because of his complex view and his idea of the Islamicate, which was an interesting way to... um, Uh, right uh, bridge somehow the question of religion and 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 be open about that and really reconceptualize uh, Islam as a religion by this idea of of Islamicate Um, and uh, in my in my article I discuss the work that Armando Salvatore is doing in his book the sociology of knowledge uh, sorry the sociology of Islam which I think is a is an amazing book that that uh, you know uh, many people you know, everybody should read to get a sense of how to think uh, civilization as a method uh, how to think Islam as a method um, mm-hmm. of conceptualizing. This is also to what I was talking about before uh, in terms of how do we produce right. Um, th- I think that is a book that really offers interesting stage. And then third, um, I do think that in the in these last twenty years and probably more and more so uh, there's been a there's been an idea of um, of islam or of muslims as um, you know identifying what some people call the global south other people might call uh, you know use this term subaltern of different sorts again this this connects to the to the relevance of certain histories and phenomena of the last 20 years, but more generally also going back in time, I think in here of all the new research that is trying to pair, uh, you know, indigeneity, uh, with Islamic studies or African studies with Islamic studies, uh, you know, all these very fruitful, um, um you know, uh, initiatives where, um, the, the, the object and the approach kind of intertwine into thinking, uh, right, that, that this studying Muslims, let's say, um, it's, not, it's, it's not something that is defined by what Muslims believe or even what they do, or yes, what they do, but, but very much uh, has to do also with the geopolitical or social or economic relationship that they entertain with the world. And that being um, enough to uh, you know, uh, use the term Muslim in this regard, right, and I'm thinking here of you know, studies about race, studies about class, studies about gender, that foreground the, the, the question of Islam or, or, or Muslims more as, a, as an element of social identification and less as a religious or civilizational uh, term.
1: Um. So I want to take up this last bit then what you what you've um, described in terms of the last category and sort of raise so I want to raise a few questions and, and would like to hear your thoughts on this so what I'm seeing one of the things you've mentioned is around Muslim subjectivity, which is relevant. Um, both in contemporary contexts, and if you're studying contemporary things, but also if we're reading back um, in certain historical periods. And so what is the Muslim subject? How is the Muslim subject understood or defined? And I think um, in in critical Muslim studies, we're thinking more, it's more closely tied to a decolonial approach, which sort of from an epistemological angle, which says that we need to recognize the Eurocentric categories and Western epistemologies that define this subject, but then also um, put that to one side and then start thinking about other ways in which we can think about these categories, talk about these categories, what kind of ontological approaches um, can we deploy. Um, So so Salman Sayed's work talks about this in in more depth, but I'm interested in thinking, so I see this as a connection between Islamic studies, as you're describing it, and critical Muslim studies, because I think it's very difficult. I think it's very difficult for people to understand Islam as something that is both a substantive category, which means that it has content that exists in and of itself and has an intrinsic value, and that it is also at the same time, Muslim subjectivity is also defined by the political. Um, whatever, whatever the the circumstances of that political might be in, in various historical political contexts. Um, what are I guess what are your thoughts on that? Does that make sense? My question.
0: Yes, yes. I mean, um, it's 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 a very complex question to uh, to grapple with, and, and maybe we can just uh, you know open up a few very preliminary uh, ideas for further reflection. Um, so, first of all, um, you know, I, I, any, any, any operation of de-institution, de- right? And it's kind of, you know, this idea of decolonization as, as a, destit- you know, instead of constituting, desti- destituting somehow uh, the, the kind of um, institutional confines in which we operate. Has to come to terms with this limit that, as we were kind of saying before, any act of destitution is always, anyway, in relationship with the law that is trying to get away from, with the norm, with the morality. Mm-hmm. Right. So I think this this has to be has to be kind of you know take, taken into account of, of of where we are historically located. This, this is part of uh, what we're dealing with um uh, and and in some way you know in, in some way not not st- you know ca- come to terms with the limit of the norm but also realize how the norm can be in itself productive that doesn't need to be uh, just just uh, just a sense of uh, you know constraint and confinement and censorship and repression because the more one projects <laughs> this idea the more one in some way, gives power to this law to be, <laughs> to be censoring and so on. So coming to terms with with the um, with the normative element, uh, you know, it's um, <laughs> it's a work in progress. One can say, um, and um, you know, I I think here there is a difference uh, whether we're talking about you know studies that um, uh, you know. Uh, if we're talking about a, 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 a sort of articulating uh, knowledge from the point of view of a Muslim subject, or you know whatever that might mean, um, which goes back to my idea of Islam as method, uh, th- this is one mm-hmm. thing. Um, and I think you know there are no straight answers there. But um, you know, in my view, theology um, is a very interesting domain in some way to rethink uh, some of the categories. Of, of political theory, some of the categories of um, um, critical analysis and so on. And, um, you know, in, in some way, to me, that, that, that would be a very interesting venue to take, as I was mentioning serious, uh, before, to take seriously in the contemporaneity, uh, you know, given the current situation, some, some uh, complex uh, concepts from, uh, from the tradition and, and rearticulate them uh, to the present. Um, mm-hmm. in, instead uh, it's, it's a bit different, right? If uh, our interest in in terms of uh, you know students or scholars or researchers is to actually, uh, you know, try to account and understand the lives that Muslim uh, or people who self-identify as Muslims live today, right? beyond the variety, uh, what is the stake there? And I think, as you mm-hmm. say, uh, right there, it is impossible in some way to to separate this kind of um, research from uh, the kind of uh, uh, you know, let's call them social in a broad sense, social constraints or social conditions that define uh, define those circumstances. Um, you know in, in that sense, co- contextualization is uh, is an interesting endeavor though again contextualization sometimes is um, is the end of the story is used as a as an explanation uh, rather than something that needs to be to be explained and and i think uh, you know instead uh, we should kind of uh, try to think that things need to be explained that, cont- that 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 describing the life of a group or or even of an individual accounting for this life only by giving uh, account of the context that would justify or explain their life is a, is a, is a very limited view in my idea of what, um, well, because I'm a social scientist, I would say social science is about, but I could say the same for, uh, for literature, right? We need, we need a, a bit more than context, uh, because uh, context too often, you know, it's, um, again, when, when it becomes an explanation, that, that's where it becomes uh, rigid, Right. Oh, because somebody mm-hmm. is a woman, because somebody is working class, because somebody is, I don't know, transgender or, you know, this is what explains their life or their condition. Yes, maybe in part, but that is a two way street that is a, um, right. Uh, using culture to explain somebody is um, th- that's where the problems begin. We, we should do always the opposite, you know, explain what their culture is or the, their
1: Position. But I, I think there are but I think the pitfalls of essentialism are there anyway. So whether you want to explain, you know, entirely by the category of religion, Muslim behavior entirely by the category of religion can be, you know, as essentialist an approach as saying you can you can explain their behavior entirely through class or, yeah. or social position and that kind of thing. So I think so, I mean, I, I guess I, I share with you, your um, sort of hesitation to, to make one explanation, everything in, in terms of understanding what we are doing. But I think at the same time, there are certain kinds of essentialisms that, um, that further certain have, I guess certain kinds of essentialisms that have certain kinds of consequences uh, in terms of trying to understand know whatever it is that we're working on i think that is the challenge i mean at least i see this as one of the challenges that students are trying to grapple Uh because they're they want to explain muslims Mm -hmm. they 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 but they're trying to do it in complex ways so they're not trying to say well you know because muslims believe x therefore all muslims behave true But at the same time, I think it is hard for them to get their heads around all the different ways in which social location, for example, or history or, or power um, sure. interact together to define that kind of subjectivity. And yes, that is not the end of the conversation. It may actually be the beginning of the conversation. But I think being able to trace all of that is actually also a skill. I think a lot of students... Um, find it difficult to take an ontological approach and thinking about whatever their subject matter is. Yeah. they arrive at a they arrive at a location and they think that is the end and the beginning.
0: Yeah. No. I. 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 I think no. I, I agree. I mean, uh, yes, of course, and we all struggle with that. But maybe, um, maybe one way, uh, you know, one way. One well, way to think about this or, you know, is to suggest that's precisely why we need the uh, complex models, uh, concepts to, mm-hmm. to articulate these, uh, these notions. And that's why empirical knowledge, at least in my view, is, is important, mm-hmm. is crucial, is necessary, but it's not sufficient to the task. We need theoretical right. elaboration here to ask, what, what, OK, belief. What is belief? How do we think belief? And perhaps to conceptualize how did Islam or, or does or did conceptualize belief, and and what is at stake in that, um, I think the term anti essentialism it it's an interesting term, uh, but but it but uh, this is goes back to our discussion at the beginning about Orientalism. But sometimes I'm I'm a bit concerned that that is um a, a kind of a, of a foil, right? N- n- not to go further, or not to take a position. Anti-essentialism is in itself a position, uh, yes. <laughs> right? And it's an essentialist yes. position, and there's nothing wrong with that. <laughs> uh, okay. But, but uh, it would, it, you know, it, we can't, you know, we can't pretend to. To, to not have a perspective in some way right so the problem somehow in the contemporary world is is to articulate this perspective as much as possible I think you know this is again also maybe what's been changing in um, you know if we if we think about 20 30 even 30 years ago um, you know uh, there are moments I think where where there's a certain um, there's a certain potential uh, to be critical, and one has the space to be critical uh, because there's a there's a bit or there might even if not so one might think there's a bit less of sense of urgency. Now I think the sense of urgency is enormous, and so we need to <laughs> we need to produce concepts to think. Uh, to think the current situation, we cannot just uh, undo concepts that have been already thought by others, um, and we'll have to take a risk of producing bad concepts, wrong concepts, uh, and maybe essentialist <laughs> concepts. Uh, uh, but I think uh, I think it's uh, you know it's time to it's time to to produce these models, and and, and therefore in some way. Uh, not to be afraid to—I I don't know where to place myself, but I, I think I'm still a student. But you know, if I talk to other students, not to be afraid to 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 provide them with models against which they can revolt if they want. But uh, you know, to give them a, 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 um, to 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 offer people some ideas about about, for example, you know, the question, you know, class, belief. Um, and so on, and and undo this idea, which um, you know uh, I do think it's it's problematic that again to go back to the idea of awareness and self-awareness, the one can produce uh, this what is called unbiased knowledge. I really don't know what unbiased knowledge is, um, in the sense that I, yeah. it, it, it presupposes a position of certainty that i think uh, the scientists the serious scientists don't, don't, don't agree with <laughs> these days right Sci- science is a, you know produces uh, you know different results every time precisely because things are things move along and that's what we're engaged with um, yes
1: yes and i think also the the certainty itself is also a bias you know so it sort of yes. leads itself towards a positivism which is is sort of open to critique because you know again i think most of us who do work in social science can can see that um can see that happening in our work um i'm aware of
0: absolutely time. you know the dubois the, the voice uh, this uh, phrase uh, hesitant hesitant sociologist
1: yeah. right so
0: we have to be hesita- hesitant uh, absolutely absolutely
1: absolutely I am um, so aware of the time here so I just want to uh, yes. <laughs> wrap up here with, uh, with saying thank you to you for taking the time to talk about this. I appreciate the conversation and I appreciate the, um, the opportunity to think about and talk about some of these ideas.
0: This has been another episode of Network Reorient. Thank you for tuning in. Please have a listen to some of our other episodes and leave a rating.